You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 14. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I am Monica Louie, and I am so thrilled to be here with you today. I am so excited about today's episode because we are talking to none other than Mr. Pat Flynn. Plus, I'm doing a giveaway. And so after the interview, I will tell you how you can enter to win a Pat Flynn book bundle. In addition to being a father, husband, and entrepreneur, Pat is also the author of three must-read books for any business owner. Let go from his job in the architecture industry led him to become an entrepreneur and was the best thing to ever happen to him. Will It Fly teaches you how to test your next business idea so you don't waste your time and money. And this should be required reading because it teaches you how to find and understand the needs of your target market and the gaps that you can fill. Plus, Pat walks you through how to validate your offers so that you can actually collect money for it before you even make it. And I use this process that he teaches to validate my program, Flourish with Facebook Ads, and it worked. Now we have more than 400 students in that program alone. And I'm also including a copy of his brand new book that comes out August 13th called Superfans. I just got back from attending FlynnCon, Pat's first ever large-scale live event, and it was an incredible experience. He surprised all of us attendees with a copy of Superfans, and I've begun reading it, and it is great. It is amazing. I am not going to give you my copy though. I will order your own copy for you if you are the winner. So stay tuned to the end of the episode and I will tell you exactly what you need to do to enter to win the Pat Flynn book bundle. And you can also find all the details for the giveaway and all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 14. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 14. Now, if you don't know who Pat is, then you are in for a treat. Pat owns several successful online businesses and is a professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and host of the Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat podcasts, which have earned a combined total of more than 55 million downloads multiple awards, and features in publications such as the New York Times and Forbes. He is also an advisor to ConvertKit, Leadpages, Teachable, and other companies in the digital marketing arena. He has been a virtual mentor to me and so many of my online biz buddies, and he's already been mentioned several times on many different episodes of this podcast. And I have had the honor of working with Pat on multiple levels. His podcast, The SPI Podcast, inspired me to take the plunge into the online business world and make my dream of building a business from home on my terms a reality. And I was thrilled when Pat reached out and asked if I would teach him how to run Facebook ads. We worked together in January and February 2018 on several campaigns because he wanted to learn how the ads platform worked and how to create ads that convert. 
Then in March, 2018, I was so honored to be selected as one of 12 people in his first ever high-level coaching and mastermind program, the SPI Accelerator. And as I mentioned, I just got back from attending FlynnCon, Pat's first ever large-scale event, where more than 300 people gathered together for a weekend of fun, business, and networking. And just like anything that Pat does, he definitely over-delivered. Last week, I promised that I would share a little about the event, and it was amazing. Pat kept most things a surprise, including the guests, but Pat's best friend, Chris Ducker, was the MC, and he is hilarious. He's British, so I came home speaking with a little British accent. <laughs> Shane and Jocelyn Sams from Flip Lifestyle were there sharing their story, and they were interviewed on SPI episode 122 and are probably some of Pat's most memorable guests on the show. So in short, they are former teachers who each created their own businesses, serving teachers in their niche, and then they quit their jobs to pursue full-time entrepreneurship. Now they teach others how to flip their lives and create their own freedom businesses online. And I've been binge listening to their podcast ever since FlynnCon, and I absolutely love it. I definitely recommend it. Mark Mason from Late Night Internet Marketing and Dana Malstaff from Boss Bomb were on stage guests speaking about productivity and how to create a successful business with limited time. And the surprise keynotes were Shalene Johnson and Stu McLaren. It was an incredible event. And to top it all off, the event happened to be over my birthday weekend. So on Saturday afternoon, Pat surprised me by leading all 300 plus people in singing happy birthday to me. So that was definitely a memorable experience. And it was just super sweet gesture. I mean, I was already a a super fan of Pat Flynn's, but that sealed the deal. So thank you, Pat, for that. And I had the opportunity to meet up with a lot of old friends from the FinCon community. And we had a mini SPI Accelerator reunion Plus, I made a bunch of new friends and met some of my students in person, which was really cool, and I was not expecting that. It was such a great way to spend my birthday weekend. Okay, so I don't want to leave you hanging any longer. It is my honor to present to you my interview with my client, my coach, my mentor, Pat Flynn. Hey, Pat. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Excited to be here, Monica. Thank you. Yay. I'm so excited to have you. And to dive in, first of all, I mean, I feel like most of my audience already knows you. A lot of my guests have already attributed you as one of the most inspiring people on their entrepreneurial journey and have been one for me as well. But for those of you who are brand new to you and your story, share a little bit about how you got started on this entrepreneurial journey of yours. Yeah, I, def- I definitely didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur. I thought I was going to be a world-famous architect. That was sort of my goal. I went to school for architecture, graduated, got a great job in the Bay Area of California with a great firm. And and just, I loved everything I was doing. And then 2008 rolled around. And as many of us know, the recession happened then. And I, I kind of hung on as long as I could. And my office hung on to me as long as they could. But unfortunately, they had to let me go, which was tough because all I knew was architecture. That's all I wanted to do. So I didn't really have a plan B And I just kind of begged and pleaded to go back into the industry. I would have even taken entry-level positions if I could, just because it was my dream. 
which is interesting because when I talk about my entrepreneurial journey, people are very surprised that I actually loved my nine to five. It was actually like a nine to eight, but I loved every minute of it. And and usually when you hear these stories, it's like, oh, I, I hated my job and I started something on the side and it took off and it definitely wasn't like that for me. But what happened was as I was getting prepared to have my last final days at work, I discovered a podcast. This is why podcasting is so meaningful to me because it literally changed my life. It was a show called Internet Business Mastery. And there was an interview with a guy named Cornelius Fitchner on one of those episodes uh, that was hosted by Jeremy and Jason where they interviewed Cornelius about how he was making six figures a year online helping people pass the project management exam or the PM exam as it's known. And that was a huge wake-up call for me because I had taken several exams when I was uh, sort of becoming an architect. And one of those exams in particular was called the LEED exam, L-E-E-D, which stands for Leadership and Energy and Environmental Design. It's this really niched exam in the architecture space about green buildings and sustainable design. And it was a very difficult exam, but I had passed it recently and a lot of people at my work were asking me questions about it. And so I decided to create a website and to build a resource to help people pass that exam. And in addition to spending maybe 12 hours a day on the website, building it out, adding content, posting multiple times a day, I was also very involved in forums in the architecture space where I was just answering as many questions as I could. And little did I know in doing that, I was becoming an expert on the topic, even though I barely passed the exam. I didn't feel like an expert myself, but I was becoming the go-to person for all those things. And I remember going into some of those forums and people asking questions about the lead exam and other people chiming in and going, hey, we'll just wait till Pat comes online because he'll be able to help you better than I can. And it was kind of cool. And eventually what happened was people were asking me for a book or a guide. And I was like, no, I don't write books. I'm just here to help. And you know, hopefully you'll see some of the ads on my website and that's how I'm going to make money. But then I got involved with a mastermind group. Actually, it was Jeremy from that same podcast. He came to San Diego. I met with him and a few others and I just felt so out of place. I'd never done anything like that before. And when I told them about this business and the architecture thing that I was creating and trying to make money through AdSense and, and little ads here and there, he was like, dude, you got to write an ebook. And I was like, what's an ebook? I have no idea what that means. And so he gave me the rundown. I created within about a month and a half, uh, all the information I knew about this exam. I put it on a Word document, turned it into a PDF file, sold it on my website. And in October of 2008, I had generated uh, $7,908.55 from a $19 ebook. And it completely changed my life. And that's when I got really excited about online business, the income there continued to grow. I started to add new products and that's when I started smartpassiveincome.com, which is where most people know me from now, where I have just been sharing anything and everything I've been learning as I've been building out this business and, and many others. And so it started with the architecture stuff. I started sharing how much money I was making, where it was coming from, how many customers I got, what I wish I'd done differently, how I was creating new products. And then I started to build new businesses. I built an iPhone app company and I talked about that a little bit. I built some niche websites. I started publishing books. I started getting involved with software. And I've just been sharing that whole process along the way. My most recent venture was an invention in the physical product space, a tripod actually for videographers. And that launched on Kickstarter recently and did about a half million dollars in sales. And just all along the way, I'm sharing. It's not always wins either. It's a lot of failures too. And I share those processes along the way. And over time, Apparently, people see me as this leader in the entrepreneurship space and somebody they can go to for trusted advice. And, you know, I, I sort of have this superpower, I feel, of taking these really complicated processes and, and making them easy to digest and consume and take action on. And that's where I am today. And I got this new book coming out, which is really exciting. And, and I just continue to just feel very blessed every day of being able to serve others and pay it forward because it was 
another person's podcast that helped me and and I'm just, you know, with my podcast and other resources helping other people too. And and now I get to be on your show, which is really cool. And I know that you started your podcast recently. I'm super proud of you for that. And, and I'm just very honored to be here. Yeah. And you've been, I mean, a huge part in my entrepreneurial journey too. It was your podcast, Smart Passive Income, that kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities in the online world. And I think that you have such a loyal fan base because you are willing to share it all and the behind the scenes and what works and what doesn't. And then also you're just very relatable. And so I know that I really resonated with your story because you were, you know, a quote unquote normal person, you know, trying to do your best in your day job and then kind of fell into the entrepreneurship thing as you were growing your young family. So that's where I, exactly where I was when I found your podcast. I want to go back to when things started taking off. I remember hearing that when you lost your job, your dad, I think it was your dad that suggested you get your master's degree. That maybe, you know, now's a good time to go back to school and get your master's degree so that you can, you know, have even more credentials under your belt to help you grow your career in architecture. Is that true? And then how did you kind of field that conversation where you're like, no, dad, this is a thing that I'm working on and I'm not going to go that route. How did that go? Yeah, that was it. I remember that conversation very vividly because I knew my dad was right. He he was always right, number one. And number two, he was totally right in the circumstance that I was in. I could have just gone back to school. It was a good time because it was hard to get a job, but the recession was likely not going to last forever. And by the time I graduated with a master's or even let's go all the way to PhD, I mean, those, those conversations came up too. I would have that much more on my resume to get a better paying job and to be that much more prestigious in the space and help me with my career. And he was totally right. But, you know, I had already in my eyes had done everything perfect up to that point. Everything that he told me to do, everything society told me to do, my high school guidance counselors told me to do. I got in a 4.3 grade point average in high school. I graduated magna cum laude from Berkeley. I got this amazing job. I was taking tests that I didn't have to. I was going to AIA meetings that I didn't have to because I just wanted to be the best. And even then, even with all those credentials, even with having followed the path the exact way I was supposed to, I still got let go. And that hurt me so much because I was like, I thought this was the proven path to success and yet I still got laid off. And I know this recession happened, but what if it happens again? Like, I can't control any of this stuff that's happening on the outside. But what I do know is that I can take control of some things. And if I were to do something like create my own business or become an entrepreneur, well, if I fail, I would know it was because of my own fault that I didn't put those systems into place or I didn't create something that was actually helpful or valuable to others or I didn't build a smart business. So I wanted to take control. And that's why it was very easy for me after a little bit of time to think, just to go back to my dad and go, you know what? Like I tried, I did everything that I was supposed to and it didn't work out. I'm gonna try something a little bit different this time, take a little bit more control. And if I fail, it's gonna be my own fault. And I'm totally okay with that. I was not okay with feeling like a failure, even though I had done everything right. How long did it take for your dad and maybe also like your friends, other friends and family to kind of come around and figure out that what you were doing was legit? Because I know like for me growing my business these last few years, people kind of think like, you know, I'm playing around on the internet and, you know, <laughs> or it's like a side project. And, and even I showed my dad my podcast the other day and he looked at it and he was like, flourish to seven figures. That sounds good. But he didn't seem very convinced. And then he just didn't know what to say, but he also kind of wanted to be supportive. And so he was like, 
I'm proud of you, honey. But <laughs> so I'm just wondering like how long, because obviously now you have, you know, multi seven figure business and very successful. And so where in your journey did that transition with your relationships, in-person relationships kind of change? Yeah, I think with my father specifically, it took about a year. And even with five figure months in the architecture exam space that I was in, and he was seeing it because I was sharing it and I was sharing it with him in, in personal conversations too. He was always sort of hinting at, you know, I don't know how long this is going to last. And, you know, maybe you might want to think about, you know, getting a real job. And he didn't say those words specifically. I've, I've had other people literally tell me that, hey, why don't you get a real job? You know, uh, this isn't really anything worth writing home about, you know, that kind of stuff. But in my mind, in the back of my mind, I always knew that I just had to keep going. And there were people who were in the architecture space with me. And I noticed they sort of laughing at me at first, like trying something online, wasting my five years in school, wasting the money that my parents spent on me going to graduate school. And what really needed to happen was I had to let go of who I thought I was supposed to be. And I'll tell you this, I haven't told very many people this, but even you know, I remember in February and even March of 2009, after having a couple of my most profitable months, I had made $25,000 in a single month. I was still looking for an architecture job. I still was going out and taking CAD tests at different firms to see if I could get a position. And I thankfully didn't get a position. And it wasn't until April or May of 2009, I got a call from my boss, the one who let me go. Uh, his name was Imad and he, he called me and he was like, hey, Pat, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing. Hope everything's okay. And I was like, wow, you know, actually things are going pretty well right now with this other thing I'm doing, but what's going on? And he said, hey, I just started a new architecture firm myself. I'm the principal here and I'd love to have you come on board and be a part of the team. I'm bringing some of your friends with me. We have some of the same clients. who will just kind of pick up right where you left off. And I'd love to offer you a raise. I'd love to offer you a corner office and I'll even pay for a year's rent for you to come back up to Irvine, California and we'll, and we'll work together. Wow. And that was a dream offer, but it didn't take me more than five seconds just to go, hey, you know what? Thanks, but I think I'm going to be okay. And then I hung up. And at first I had a mild panic attack. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I just denied something so incredible. Like, let me call him back. But then immediately I started thinking about, well, why was my first reaction to say no thanks? And it was probably because I think I know now that I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur, that I'm destined for this path now. And the other part of the story that was really eye-opening for me that was part of the reason why I said it so quickly was because I was getting so much more recognition as somebody helping people pass a little exam versus the bigger projects that I was working on in the architecture space. I mean, I have my fingerprint on several different buildings and restaurants and hotels around the United States Yet nobody would ever know. And I've never really been thanked for that. Yet here I was helping people pass this little architecture exam and having people email me with their life story and praise and thank you and calling me by name. And it, that, I, that's just something I had never received before. And it just felt so great to feel like I was actually having an impact. And I remember one specific email I got from a person named Jackie. I had helped her pass this exam, which was very difficult, like I said. And she had spent over a year studying for it and failing and then finally passed after studying with my guide. And she was like wanting to take me and my family out to dinner. She said that she got a raise and a promotion. She was able to finally take her family to, to Disneyland because they had enough money to do that. And it just felt so special. But then at the end of the email, it said, I'm, I'm a big fan. Thanks, Pat. And I was like, a fan? Like, how could you? I'm just, 
Like I just help you pass an exam. Like I don't understand how you could be a fan. Like I'm not a musician or an artist or somebody like entertaining. That's what usually you're a fan of. But she was like, I'm a big fan. Uh, Thanks, Pat. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And so fast forward a couple months later, I noticed that in my list of customers that there were like 30 other people who had the same exact sort of last part of the email address that she did. And I, I dug a little bit deeper and apparently she had told everybody in her office and her boss included to go and get my guide. She was such a fan that she wanted to make sure that I got paid for helping her and helping her coworkers. She could have just easily printed out that guide and shared it with her coworkers. But no, she decided to make sure that they all paid for it. And so this one person, Jackie, became not just a single customer, but 30 other customers too. And it really inspired me because when I started my business at Smart Passive Income, it really inspired me to go for really helping people and serving first and becoming that person who could help a person reach that next level because I know that that's going to come back. And that's that's where this new book, Superfans, comes into play and why when you become a part of my community, when you become a part of my brand, you not only hear a lot from me and, and I help you solve those problems or help you start a new business, for example, but you feel like you're part of something. You feel like you belong to the community. You feel like you're not alone and that we're kind of doing this together. And that's one of many things that I do very intentionally in my business is to help people become a fan, which is my goal. And, and the more that I can help people become a fan, the more my business grows sort of automatically. I'm, I'm not a great marketer. I'm not a great copywriter, but I am great at providing those experiences that make people go, wow, I need to share this with people. And that's, that's how I've been able to grow. That's what I think more businesses need to do out there. That's awesome. And I mean, I, I think it's so true too, because I definitely, when I first discovered your podcast, I definitely resonated with you and your story and how, I mean, you just seemed so real. And then also what I liked is that you brought on other people. So it wasn't just your story of success online, but then you brought on other people and still to this day are very open to share other people's success stories of building their businesses online. And so it was just very easy to resonate. So if somebody didn't you know, resonate with your story specifically, then you had other examples that you're sharing of mm-hmm. people having success building their businesses online. You mentioned multiple businesses. You have a lot going on. I know you have a rather large team behind you. So I'm just curious, can we talk a little bit about how you do it all? Sure. <laughs> uh, you put out a lot of free content and that's where I think the relationship building comes into play. I mean, you have multiple different podcasts. You have a very active YouTube channel. I know I'm going to miss some things. You do live webinars all the time. You do office hours for your paid courses. And now you're putting on FlynnCon, your first big live event, major live event, and coming out with a book and launching the SwitchPod. (laughs) And so how does that all happen with all of these various projects? How do you and your team manage that? And then how do you know what you should be focusing on? Because I'm sure you have a lot of, I mean, things competing for your attention in your head. You know, I've got to come up with a new idea for the podcast or, you know, how do you kind of organize that? How does your team help you with that? Yeah, I mean, this is a big question. There's a lot of things that I want to do that I haven't done. And and you've only scratched the surface of like all the things in the world that I want to accomplish. But you start to see these things in my business actually get planned out and actually get executed. And a, a part of the reason why I'm able to do that more fast now is because of the team. But even since the beginning, even when it was myself and only myself for the first seven years, I was still able to execute on various ideas. And it was because, you know, of a number of things. Number one, making sure that I understand what my top priorities are. So although there are many things I want to do, I still need to pick one and go. 
And so how do I know which one to go forward with next? And that always becomes the one that's combining where my energy is and where I'm excited, but also where I know I can make the biggest impact. And it changes every year. And it seems like every time I finish or complete one thing or it gets to a point where I can automate it and then I can have some time back to do something else, I've sort of unlocked new skills. It's sort of like, you know, Pixar and their journey, right? With Toy Story and how that just like became the first computer animated movie, but that also gave them a lot of skills. And then the next movie was A Bug's Life, which gave them more skills on, you know, uh, smoothing out some of their graphics, which then opened up more opportunities for Monsters, Inc., which was where they learned how to sort of animate fur, which then like everything kept stacking on the next and the next and the next. And so although a lot of these things seem unrelated, they're a result of what I had previously unlocked. Right. And so when you go back into my journey, 2008 was when I started the Smart Passive Income blog. And, and I, I was all about blogging and writing, creating content. 2009, I started the YouTube channel. 2010, I started the podcast. 2011, I started speaking on stage. Mm -hmm. 2012, I started writing my first book, which was published in 2013. It was called Let Go. 2014, I started doing other things and, you know, uh, building sort of resources and, and paid products. It just continued to build from there. So as you see, I have a lot of things going on. But never am I trying to do all those things at once. It is always a pick and prioritize situation. And it is only at a point where I feel I have now more time back, meaning I either have software or some sort of automation in place, or I've been able to optimize that workflow so that I can get time back, or I have a team now that can help support me with those things. Then now I have more time to do something else. And for me, in, in the way my brain works, I have to continue to keep trying new things to keep me excited. I'm a very curious being. I love trying new things. I love the rush of, of trying something new and the what ifs. And I love, you know, failing. I love to prove whether it would work or not. And I failed quite a bit too. So if you were to consider all my time and all the things I do, 90% of my time is on things that I know have to be done or on, on things that were already established that are my responsibilities and again, the team helps supports with a lot of those things. But I always try to keep 10% of my time open for brand new things. And that keeps me excited. And usually those things are worked on on a Friday, like very diligently. And that's where the SwitchPod came in. And the SwitchPod is a brand new product in a space that I had no involvement in whatsoever in terms of, a, of an authority. And uh, here I am in the video space with my videographer, Caleb, and we have created a product that is getting talked about, that's getting shared, that did wildly successful on Kickstarter, and, and we're already working on other products. And if it didn't work out, that's fine. I still have the other 90% of things that I know are working that I need to do, but it worked out this time, and sometimes it doesn't. But it's just really fun to have that allowance to do that. And I think that's important because now I know, okay, well, 10% of my time is fine, but it's when I start to go, okay, I'm going to go flip-flop. I'm, I'm just going to spend a little bit of my time on the things I know I need to do. And I'm going to spend a majority of my time on these new things that may or may not work out. Well, if it doesn't work out, then you only have 10% to work with that you know is proven. So I always try to optimize my time for spending maximum amount, amount of time on stuff that I know is going to move the needle and work, but then 10% of my time on, on something new. And then on top of this, all this is planning. And that's using the calendar, and on the team, we run in two-week sprints. So we take these big goals like FlynnCon, for example, and then we reverse engineer leading up to that date of the launch or the date of the event or whatever the project is. And we work in two-week chunks. So we then go, okay, well, what's the first two weeks going to be about? Okay, by the end of that two weeks, we have to have this in place. And then after two weeks, we have this in place, all leading up to by the time that thing is launched, that event happens. And, and that's how we plan. It's also known as Agile, A-G-I-L-E in terms of project management. And that's how we've been able to, to keep going and keep moving. We take these bigger goals, chunk them up into little two-week goals, 
And that motivates us because then we can go, okay, hey, we're a little bit behind this two weeks. Let's move it up into the next batch of two weeks and we'll move a little bit faster. Or, hey, we're ahead of schedule. Okay, we could slow down and get a little bit more into details here. Or, hey, we're right on schedule. Let's keep going. And it allows us to sort of check in every two weeks and adjust if we need to. And so that's just a little insight on, on sort of productivity and, and how I work and how I have a hand on all these things. But no, I'm definitely not doing all these things at the same time. That's multitasking. That's impossible. But I do work on one thing at a time, but I space it out and I have dedicated days to do certain things. So Monday, for example, is my writing day where I write blog posts. Tuesday is my recording day where I record on other people's shows or other people's podcasts normally. I'm, I'm doing a little bit more as of late because of the podcast tour I'm doing for super fans. But typically Tuesday is my recording day. Wednesday is my meetings day. Thursday, I'm in the video studio. And Friday is sort of cleanup day or leftover or just free day if, if it is possible. But anyway, that's I don't know if that helps. Uh, hopefully that helps people understand sort of there's a system and a method to the madness. Absolutely. So that definitely helps. So you and your team are meeting every two weeks to talk about what the goals are, what the priorities are for the next two weeks and what we need to get done. And then you're kind of mapping it out in your calendar that I know that Monday is writing day. So all of my writing projects for the next couple of weeks, I got to make sure that I fit them in in the next two Mondays. Is that how that works? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay, cool. How does team communication work so that everybody knows that they're on the same page and they know who's done what and where we are so that, you know, when you need to hand off tasks that, you know, I've done my part. So now you can go do your part. How do you guys stay on top of all of that without being overwhelmed by the communication? I feel like we can go kind of swing the other direction where we're, you know, just constantly communicating and not getting a whole lot done. Right. I mean, I'm very thankful to have uh, somebody under my wing, Matt, who's my chief operating officer. He's sort of like the integrator in the business and I'm more the visionary. I mean, it was it was myself for seven years in execution and I, I wore all the hats. And I'm just so thankful that I've had the courage to hire people, which I didn't have at first because it's really alleviated a lot of that work that I did and maybe I was good at, but I probably shouldn't do as a CEO and as I continue to want to grow and expand into new things. So uh, definitely credit to Matt, my COO, who manages a lot of the people and a lot of the tasks. And, and I have people under Matt, like uh, Jana, who manages the content and she's the content managerial editor. And so what happens with each of these people is they have very specific responsibilities, things that they own essentially in the business that are their responsibility. And that's very important because I could be responsible for all of them, but then it would reduce the amount of say that they have or the way that they could make changes to improve things if needed. And in terms of communication, it's like we have people who we report to. So Matt reports to me and then Jana reports to Matt and the content team reports to Jana. That way we don't have to sort of all be sitting in the same meeting about things that we may not need to worry about because maybe there's something going on in the editing sector of the brand and the content sector where, you know, Jana and her team are able to manage that. And Matt and I don't even need to hear about it. Jana owns it. She's responsible for it. So then she's able to help put out those fires before they move up in the business and, and they're put out because she's great at it. And, and we hire for not just skill, but we hire for culture as well. So we have a culture of, of ownership in what part of the brand that you sort of are, are responsible for. We have ownership. You know, another part of the culture is just always staying healthy. And I think that's a part of it too, because we're in this to not just provide a business, but we want to be the best version of ourselves as possible to not just a business and, and our audience, but our families as well, because that adds to better sort of life and makes us happier all around and more well-rounded. Anyway, going into a little bit more detail here than probably needed, but the way we communicate really is in these sprint meetings. 
the leadership team kind of meets together and, and reports back on how things are going based on the projects, again, like I said earlier, that we're focused on for the quarter. And then we communicate very largely on a tool called Slack. And Slack has been uh, just a huge game changer for us since implementing it a couple of years ago. And it's just so much easier to have conversations and threaded conversations about certain things. And we have very specific rules in the company about how we use Slack and to not interrupt another person's flow if not needed, but being able to use it as a tool to sort of get questions answered sooner or archive our files or, or share ideas and things like that. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been really cool to have that team there. But I think the most important lesson is that it wasn't like this in the beginning. We had to, with our team and our culture and our personalities, figure out what works best for us over time. And I think a lot of businesses who hire and they don't feel good about it or they just don't have a good experience, they go, oh, well, I guess the team's not for me. But it takes time. It takes time to mold the people that you find to a system and a workflow that works for you. And it's, it's honestly, it's different for every company because every company is different. And so I think the biggest lesson there is that you have to, number one, get the courage to get out of your comfort zone and hire people. But you don't have to hire a bunch of people right away. You don't have to have a 10-person team like me immediately from the start. For me, initially, it was just one person. And it was my assistant who helped me with a lot of the things like email and travel planning and those kinds of things. And then over time, we've added based on the projects that we've been working on and the needs of the brand. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I never thought it would get to here. I thought I would always be a one-man band. And that's how I wanted it to be at first. But over time, as I've had bigger goals, the goals have changed. And because the goals have changed, the business has had to change. And, and that's okay. So it seems like you've had a lot of identity shifts over the last, you know, 10, what, 11 years now in growing first Green Exam Academy and now Smart Passive Income. So first you were building this thing and then kind of stepping into trying on the hat of being an entrepreneur. Is that fair? Yeah, and, absolutely. And then once you felt secure in that role and wanted to continue down that path, then you had to kind of grow into becoming the CEO of your team and letting go of being the one doing all the things and being in all the projects. And so what other identity shifts or mindset shifts have you had to go through in order to scale your business to where it has become now? And then also with your big goals that you have still yet to achieve. Has that been an intentional process that you've consciously worked on your mindset and those identity shifts? Or is that something that's just kind of has naturally progressed throughout the years? Well, initially, it was just kind of reactionary progression, if you will, like figuring out as I go and learning from my mistakes. But over time, it's sort of shifted into being more proactive and actually learning about what I can do to improve before I need to. And at the start, when I got laid off, it was just about survival. You know, and I think that was really important because honestly, if I hadn't gotten laid off, I definitely wouldn't be an entrepreneur today, which is really interesting. And it was that survival mode that pushed me to do things that I didn't really feel comfortable doing, but were necessary to do those bold actions that were required in order to become an entrepreneur. And so survival mode was the most important thing. And that got me to, you know, really get into many hours a day going in there and, and becoming that go-to person in that architecture space and learning what I needed to learn as I went along. And then over time after that, it was just sort of like, okay, well, how can I create something that's sustainable? Now that I have something that's proven to work, how can I create a long-lasting sort of brand and, and build on smart passive income as well? And that's where 
building an email list came into play. That's where creating a strong brand and understanding who I was. So being then intentional of, okay, well, what do I want to stand for? Who do I want to become known for? What's going to be the culture of smart passive income? So it's all about authenticity, leadership through example, and making people feel like they're a part of something along the way. Not me in a mountain talking down to you, but hey, we're all in the field together playing on the same team. Hence the name Team Flynn. We're all in this together. I just happen to be the team captain. And I might pass the ball to you. Sometimes you might score and hey, we all win as a result. So we're all in this together. And that's where that came from. And then over time, then it kind of shifted into, holy crap, there's so much work to do now. There's so many things I want to do. I'm doing it all myself. I need to hire somebody. So I'm going to get some help to find out where I can start with that. And I really have to credit my friend, Chris Ducker, who was uh, previously known as sort of the virtual assistant guy, but now has become the youpreneur guy and the sort of personal brand guy, but he's definitely played a big role in helping me understand that I not only can hire, but that I need to hire and that it would relieve a lot of the stress that I, I was starting to have in business, which a lot of people don't do. And then they eventually lead to uh, burnout and getting overwhelmed or just being unhappy with what the thing that was created that was supposed to kind of give you freedom. And then it becomes a, you know, a ball and chain again and just in a different format. And then over time, I got to learn, okay, well, as the business continues to thrive, as I've had more financial security now? Like, what could I do to serve more people? What are we able to affect that were not even possible before? And now we're doing things like a lot of charitable work and working with companies and organizations like Pencils of Promise, which helped build schools around the world, which has then allowed me to consider, okay, well, what other bigger goals can I have? And then I've had this sort of passion now recently to want to dive into being an agent of change in the world of education and teaching entrepreneurship to kids and those sorts of things. And so I've had to be more intentional with, okay, like if I want to have my business be run and allow myself for more time to do these other things, I need to actually start building out a bigger team to help manage some of these processes, to help continue to serve the audience better, to help grow bigger to a point where then I can sort of remove myself a little bit more so that I can start focusing on some of these bigger legacy goals that I've had. So I've had to be a little bit more intentional with being a CEO. So it, so I've had to make a mindset shift of, hey, I'm just this scrappy entrepreneur figuring things out as I go to, hey, I'm going to become CEO. I'm going to treat this like a real business now where I consider the future instead of just next week, I'm going to consider next year or the next 10 years. And that's had a major impact on my shift uh, in my mind and how and why the team has come on board recently as a sort of full time and uh, where my mind wants to go next, which is, you know, I'm excited because patflynn.com, which is my personal brand, is going to get a makeover later this year. And I'll start talking about these legacy goals and education and parenting and technology and other other things I'm interested in that my current platforms don't really allow me to speak about. So yeah, it's kind of just, it's shifted over time. It's not necessarily an identity shift. It's more like a shift in just goals from survival to then thriving to now legacy. And it's interesting, like I said earlier, like one thing is unlocked the next, which is unlocked the next. And I've learned new skills, which unlocks the next thing. And I think the biggest lesson here is that, you know, I've always had the, this capability and I've always had the drive, but I didn't think it was possible. And every time I reach these goals, I'm like, wow, I actually did that. Maybe I should shoot higher. And I think, you know, in the beginning, I was only going like, hey, I think I can build something so that I can only survive. I had no idea that I could build something this big and, and go bigger and help even more people. So now I'm looking toward people for inspiration like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Not that I want to create businesses like theirs or go and colonize space right now, but more that like, hey, they're thinking about things that, other people didn't think were possible and they're doing them. So what can I think about that's maybe seemingly impossible, like completely reforming education and with what I've built and, and the confidence and the skills that I've earned, how might I actually make that happen now? I think I can do it. Whereas before, that wasn't even a thought. 
so yeah, it's it's interesting how you grow. And this has been like over a decade in the running. And so, you know, what inspires me is, you know, I think about, I don't know if you've ever read Benjamin Franklin's biography. And he has this really thick biography that was written about him. And it's amazing. And, and he's done so much in his life and a lot that we know him for, Benjamin Franklin. But if you look at his biography and you measure how thick it is, it's like three inches thick. It's a huge book. He's accomplished a lot. But although it's like 800 pages, the first 40 pages, he's already like 45 years old. All of those giant accomplishments in the 760 pages that are left in the book happened after the age of like 40 for him. And I'm only 37 or 36. I can't remember what age I am. After 30, <laughs> like doesn't matter anymore, right? But anyway, like I have so much more to give and what I've built for myself has become what I feel is the launching platform for the next thing, which is gonna be the launching platform for the next thing. And the most important thing to me is as I do this to make sure that I don't leave what's important behind, which I know a lot of other business and successful entrepreneurs have done and I don't wanna do that. And so all along the way, I'm, I'm always thinking about what's important to me as well, like family and being there for my kids and my wife. Yeah, so I, anyway, I'm just rambling here about sort of, it's been fun to think about the journey and, and sort of where I want to go and the kind of rules I'm placing for myself along the way. No, I absolutely love it. I mean, I, I'm just so fascinated because I love talking about big, scary goals and thinking about what is possible. And I feel like a lot of us limit ourselves because we just aren't around people who have done those things or we just don't think that even if other people have done, you know, have big achievements under their belt that it's possible for us. And so have you ever had a fear of failure or fear of success or any kind of like limiting beliefs that you have to overcome in order to kind of open up your mind in order to achieve those big, scary goals? Yeah. I mean, every week I go through sort of instances where I don't feel like I'm good enough or I'm not qualified to talk about something I am, or I start to doubt myself, or I start to play that very scary comparison game where I see somebody who's up and coming, who's doing something much better than me. And, and this is very easy to do on something like YouTube where it's like, you know, there are very talented videographers out there and storytellers. And I see somebody's video, it's very easy to go, oh man, my stuff's never going to be that good. And I play that every single week, but I have to realize and remember that number one on the comparison game, I am me and, and nobody's like me and they are like them and nobody's like them. We're different. And number two, that different audiences respond to different people. And it's not about the quality of the video. It's about the message and how much you're helping people. And that's something that I know I can offer a lot, no matter how the things compare to others. Number two, I was growing up in a house where everything had to be perfect. I would come home from school with a 97% of my math test. And then my dad would ask, well, what happened to the other 3%? And we would work for the next four hours on those problems that I got wrong and not really acknowledging the 97% that I got right, which is why in my parenting style today and the way that I teach online, it's, it's quite the opposite. Like, let's be proud and, and have gratefulness toward the small things that we got right and we can, you know, improve on those things or even, you know, not worry about them. Let's go even bigger with those things that we got right and the skills that we do have that we can hone in on. So just a few little mindset things there that come to mind. But I think the biggest thing is that failure I've learned is not bad. That's how I was taught. And we are taught that in school, especially with, with big fat Fs on our papers that are very scary looking that we never want. And again, you know, I'd gotten straight A's my whole life but I've realized that it's okay to not be great at certain things. And it's okay to fail because failure is learning. And when you are an entrepreneur, you must fail. You have to. It's impossible to create the perfect product or create the perfect business or create the perfect podcast the first time you do it. It is impossible. 
And so you must fail and be okay with it and embrace it and realize that it's just a part of the process. And for anybody who thinks you're going to not fail, you're just kidding yourself. You have to fail. You should want to fail. It's definitely held me back in the past and it still can, continues to do so because I have sort of remnants of, of the past and wanting to be perfect. It's just part of my nature now. But I always have to step back and go, what's important here and what can I learn from this and how can we make improvements moving forward? Because it'll, it'll just be better off in the end as a result. So awesome. Okay. Let's talk about super fans. Where did you get the idea for this book and why should we be focused on building those super fans? So building super fans is key because you don't need very many of them to do some amazing things to help support your brand. Super fans are those people who are going to follow you no matter where you go online. They're going to read every single blog. They're going to listen to every single podcast. They're going to buy every single product. They're going to market for you without you even asking. They're the people who, if you are a musician, they're going to travel eight hours to go and just hear your set. They're going to wait for you backstage just to get your autograph and a selfie. Like these are super fans, right? And I didn't think building fans was possible for anybody other than sort of musicians and artists and actors and actresses and until I started my podcast actually on Smart Passive Income. And I would, I would go to conferences and I would meet these people who were fans and would want to take my picture. And it was just so weird to me and, and very just, I was just I had no idea that was possible for a person like me. And then what I found over time is that these fans have become so important to the success of the business. They are what is helping the business grow. And then it made me think about my other website with Green Exam Academy and how wow, Jackie, I had a fan there and I, I must have had other fans who didn't even let me know, but who were helpful and who helped spread that message. And it actually made me think about Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly is the senior editor at Wired Magazine who wrote a very, very significant article on his website called The Thousand True Fans. And this was in 2007. And that was a very important article for me when I started business. And it's a very important article for anybody creating anything or any musician, any creator of any kind who's sharing something with the world who wants to build the following because the truth is, and what he says is you don't need a blockbuster hit to become successful, which is what we all think. When we talk to other people about creating businesses, they're like, oh, I, I wanna create the next Uber. I wanna create, you know, I wanna be a multimillionaire. I wanna do these huge things, which is cool. And it's great to, to have those kinds of aspirations, but to truly be successful and have a business or a brand that supports your life and makes you happy, you don't need a blockbuster hit. You don't need millions of fans, millions of followers, millions of dollars. You just need maybe a thousand, a thousand true fans. If you want to put that into perspective, that's a fan a day for less than three years. And the truth is, if you had a thousand fans, like if you just imagine them paying you a hundred dollars a year, just a hundred dollars a year, that's less than ten dollars a month for your art, your craft, supporting you in whichever way. I mean, I know people who are fans of things who pay thousands of dollars a month for things. I mean, I've paid well over ten thousand dollars in Back to the Future memorabilia because I'm a huge Back to the Future nerd. But anyway. A thousand fans times a hundred dollars, you're already at six figures right there. And so you don't need a blockbuster hit. You just need a thousand fans. And so if you could build for fans, you can have an amazing supported life through these fans and you can have fun doing it too. And so that article, although great, doesn't really tell you how to make fans. It doesn't really give you the process. And that's what super fans is. It's the how-to, the step-by-step -step process for building fans. And it is something that is something that could be replicated and done by anybody in any business or brand. And to me, it's so important. The timing is perfect for this book right now because of where things are right now, especially in business. But anybody trying to create a following of any kind, this is so important. It's because, you know, if you think about social media now and all of your followers, 
not all of them are seeing your stuff. Like algorithms are getting in the way, Facebook and Instagram. I mean, they have shareholders that they need to pay attention to. So they're making you pay to get access to your audience now. On YouTube, not everybody who's subscribed to you is gonna see your videos. Like things are getting harder when it comes to building businesses and audiences now. But the truth is if you have super fans, it doesn't matter what happens in technology or what happens in the world. They will find you, they will follow you, they will support you, they will love you, they'll defend you from trolls. They will be the lifeblood of your business. And so many people are so focused on getting new people into our brand now, new traffic, uh, search engine optimization, paying for ads, let's get more people finding our brand. And that's great. But what happens when those people finally find you? What's their experience going to be like? It's kind of all for nothing unless you focus on that. And that's what the big shift here is in super fans. And so it's everything that I've learned about building amazing experiences for your people. And the truth is people aren't going to become fans of yours the moment they find you. It's about the moments that you create for them over time. And this is what this uh, entire book is about start to finish. In the book, you take us through the four levels of the pyramid of fandom. So can you kind of give us a high level overview of what those are? Yeah, absolutely. So when people enter your brand or they discover you for the first time, they're part of your casual audience. They don't know who you are or what you do. They found you through a Google search or a mention on somebody else's website or something, and, and they have no idea what you have to offer, but they're there. And that's a really important moment because that's how you then have to activate them to become a part of your active subscriber base, meaning they now know who you are and they follow you. They, they've subscribed. They're a follower on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. They know who you are. They know what you have to offer. They like you. They said, hey, okay, cool. That's the second level. That's the active audience level. But from there, that doesn't mean that they're a fan yet. That just means, hey, they know who you are. They're a part of your brand. But the next level is the connected community. And that's where magic starts to happen. That's where not only you are communicating with them and they're communicating with you, but they're also communicating with each other. And it's really cool because, you know, you think of uh, musicians, right? Like Taylor Swift, she has her Swifties. Justin Bieber has his Believers. The One Direction had their Directioners. Like Lady Gaga has her Little Monsters, Beyonce's Beehive, right? We think about this in musician world, but you can have your own community that all associate themselves with each other too. Like Johnny Dumas has Fire Nation. I have Team Flynn. Like every community should have a name for one. But number two, that's where people go, ah, hey, are you a part of this community too? They could find people just like them. And we as humans, we want to be a part of a social group. We are social beings. And when you find other people who have similar interests, great. And when you're the facilitator of those connections, even better, that elevates your brand. And then naturally from there, some people are going to become super fans. But there is a lot of other things that you can do to help nudge people over into super fandom where then they begin to actually spread the word about your brand without you even asking. And then guess what? They're going to bring new people into the brand too. They're going to recommend you like their life depends on it. And guess what? Your pyramid's going to grow without you having to pay for ads, without you having to worry about search engine optimization. And all these things that we all focus on don't matter as much anymore when you focus on those experiences that you have for people in the brand. So casual audience, which is your largest part of your user base, we want to activate them. And there's a number of different ways that I talk about in the book to do that into our active subscriber base, then into your connected community. And then at the top of the pyramid is your super fans were like, and when you think about it, like where's most of the engagement happening? Where are most of your customers coming from? The bottom of the pyramid, your casual audience? No, it's coming from the top. So we need to focus at the top of the pyramid and, and bringing people into super fan status and your business will grow from there. I was thinking about this too, as it relates to ads where, I mean, you and I worked together on an ad strategy a couple of years ago and we were retargeting. Do you remember this? You were promoting um, Smart From Scratch and the enrollment period was open for only just a few days. And so we decided to promote 
that it was open to just a specific subset of your audience, the people that were already showing an interest in the program and then the people who were segmented in your email list who were at the right stage in their business for the program. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when we did this? I do remember that, yeah. And it converted so well. I mean, I wasn't surprised at all, but it converted so well and brought in a lot of sales just because you had already done the work. You had already built up this raving fan base. I mean, this this group of super fans so that when you had that offer and it was just available during that short window, it converted like crazy because these mm-hmm. are the super fans, the people who are ready to say, Pat, whenever you have something that's perfect for me, here's my credit card. I want to jump in and take advantage of it. And I know that I mean, the last five years of me listening to Smart Passive Income, there were times where I was listening to the podcast and I wish that you had something. This was before you launched your courses. I wish that you had something that I could give you money for other than, you know, going through your Bluehost affiliate link or, you know, buying an, a book <laughs> off of Amazon that you recommended. So I think, I mean, you are obviously the person to learn this from, but we see that with our other clients too, the ones that have built up this raving fan base that have become the leader in their industry and have a great product. I mean, it's a lot easier to make sales through the ad spend or however they are promoting their products, but we see that. So it can definitely lead to your bottom line, but then also the connections. I mean, over the years, there've been so many times where I'll run into somebody who's a speech therapist (laughs) and then I'm like, you have to listen to this episode on this podcast called Smart Passive Income. And then I'll find out which episode where you interviewed the speech therapist or I'll come across an artist. I'm like, okay, you have to listen to this episode. But then also then I'll run into somebody and who's just getting into the blogging world. And I'm like, oh, have you listened to Smart Passive Income? And then they're like, oh yes, I love Pat Flynn. And then we just instantly have that connection. We feel like we're part of this tribe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, very well said. And I think that when you add these things like search engine optimization and Facebook advertising and social media on top of the raving fans and the super fans that you're creating is just a recipe for success. And again, it doesn't happen overnight, but I think with a little bit of help and encouragement, which you'll get in super fans, I mean, you're going to find that this is actually not very hard. And plus it's very fun. Creating fans is one of the funnest things because it, it really makes you connected to the people who you are serving, which ultimately helps you create even better stuff for them and grows your brand even more. So you're growing your brand from the inside out from the experiences that you're already offering people. And if you're just starting out, this is a huge advantage that you have over others because the smaller your brand, the more time you can actually give to these individuals who are in your email list or who are on your brand or who are following you. And it's going to make them feel so special and it's going to help you quickly start to get some results. So uh, thank you for allowing me Monica to share this and I hope people pick it up. I don't know when you're going to share this episode, but if you happen to be listening to this before August 13th, which is when the book comes out, you can actually uh, pre-order it and then submit your receipt at yoursuperfans.com. And when you do that, I'm actually going to give you the audiobook for free on launch week, which is a pretty good deal, I think. Yeah, no, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, this will come out uh, before August 13th. And so definitely take advantage of that because if you love listening to Pat on the podcast or any of his podcasts, then you definitely need to listen to Pat read the book to you. I know that I listened to the audiobook of Will It Fly and Let Go. And anyway, so I'm just, I'm so excited for the physical book so I can get you to sign it, but then also to listen to the audiobook as well. So coming soon. Yes. Can you share just one 
simple thing that we can do today to start to create those super fans for our businesses? Yes. So if you have customers already, start there. But if you have followers or an email list, you could start there too. Go and find 10 people, send them a quick little video. You can even do this on social media very easily. You can just go in and and direct message somebody and use the video thing there. We have that, but we never use it. Uh, If you are reaching out to somebody via email or a customer that you have, you know, you can record a video on your phone and put it in there. Or you can use a tool like Bonjoro, B-O-N-J-O-R-O, which I love to use. It makes sending these videos a lot easier to people. You can even send them to customers as soon as they sort of buy from you. It's really amazing. And what happens is you're going to get people who reply who just are blown away from the fact that you took 10 seconds and a little bit of time to think about them. It's just going to show you, it's going to give you a taste of just what people are craving and how it doesn't take a lot of time and effort to give people a little bit of attention that's going to help them want to help you back, to want to become fans and spread your message and make you stand out. And I promise you, you will get replies back that will just be kind of just, wow, like, did this really mean that much to you? It's really amazing. And so just do that, like find 10, maybe even five, if you don't want to make it too hard on yourself. It's not going to take much time. Just pull out that social media channel, Twitter or Instagram, reach out to somebody and just send them a video and just say thanks and ask them what they might need help with. And I promise you, you're going to get people who are going to just be kind of blown away that you took the time to do that. It's something that we need to do more of. And it's one of the many things that I talk about in the book that we already have access to. It's not very hard, but can make a huge difference in the experience that a person has in your brand. I love that. Okay, so that's our challenge for today. So reach out to five to 10 people and send them a short little video and then see where the conversation goes from there. There you go. Any last parting words or advice for those who are looking to flourish to seven figures, Pat? Everybody who's listening to this has the capability to get to seven figures if you're not there already. Everybody. And it just takes a little bit of time, but with prioritization and with building for super fans on your side, you'll get there a lot quicker. And I just want to encourage all of you to keep going and understand that the bumps in the road and the brick walls that you might be faced against and the failures and the mistakes that happen, it's all a part of the process of you generating these new skills that are going to help you the next time like that something happens. So keep going. The world needs you. There are people who need your help. They are drowning in this ocean and you are on that boat and you just need to offer them a hand and bring them up and and save them. Don't let fear get in the way. Would you let fear get in the way? If you're, if somebody was drowning next to you and you were on the boat, would you go, sorry, I'm scared. The water's cold. I can't help you right now. You would never do that. That's what's happening online every day. So have the courage to go out there and help people because they need you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much in this interview. And so where can we go to find the book? And where can we go to find out more about you and Smart Passive Income? Awesome. Thank you. Well, if you want to pick up the book, you can pre-order it on Amazon or even Barnes & Noble and Target. And just make sure you submit your receipt at yoursuperfans.com before August 13th, and you'll get the audiobook for free uh, sometime during launch week. And then you can find me at Pat Flynn on most social media channels, as well as my main website, smartpassiveincome.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Monica. I have to say that I absolutely love that interview. It is 
such an honor to have the opportunity to interview Pat, and I'm so glad that I'm able to share that interview with you today. So I want you to take action. I want you to complete the challenge that Pat gave us today. So just to reiterate, find five to 10 people and send them a quick video to say thanks and ask them what they need help with. Ask how you can help. And so you can do this super easy via Facebook Messenger, via Instagram, DMs, or you can just you know shoot a video on your phone and send it to five to 10 people on your email list. But find five to 10 of your followers, reach out to them, and that's how you can plant the seed and begin to build your super fans today. So I want to entice you to actually complete the challenge. So that is why I'm offering the giveaway of the Pat Flynn book bundle. So with the giveaway, one lucky winner will receive Pat's book, Will It Fly? How to Test Your Next Business Idea So You Don't Waste Your Time and Money. I have also secured a limited edition hard copy version of Let Go. So if you follow Pat, then you might remember that he did a Kickstarter last year where he was validating his idea for this hardcover version of Let Go. And so I joined the Kickstarter and I also got Pat to sign my copy, but I have gotten a new copy that I will be including in this bundle giveaway. So the winner will get a hard copy version, limited edition version of Let Go. And then also, of course, we're going to include his brand new book, Superfans, The Easy Way to Stand Out, Grow Your Tribe, and Build a Successful Business. So one lucky winner will win the book bundle from Pat Flynn. But I do encourage you to go ahead and grab your copy, pre-order your copy. If you're listening to this when it comes out before August 13th, pre-order your copy of Superfans and then go to yoursuperfans.com so that you can enter your confirmation number so that you can get the pre-order bonus of the audiobook because I don't know about you, but I absolutely love audiobooks and I will definitely be listening to the audiobook when I get my copy since I already pre-ordered Superfans, of course. Okay, so to enter the giveaway, here's what you need to do. You need to go to monicalouie.com slash giveaway, just all one word, slash giveaway. And there you will enter your first name and your email address, and then you'll see how you can gain entries into the giveaway. So you can share the giveaway, of course. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, There's several ways there. But then also what I want you to do is absolutely complete the challenge from Pat by reaching out to five to 10 of your followers, sending them a video and just asking how they're doing and how you can help. And so then on the comments of the show notes for this episode, you can find those at monicalouie.com slash 14 for episode 14. I want you to enter in the comments and share your experience of the results of reaching out to five to 10 of your followers. So share in the comments how that challenge went for you and how you're beginning to build super fans. So as Pat said many times in our interview together, you know, building super fans is a lot of fun. And so definitely take advantage of the challenge and share your experience at monicalouie.com slash 14. But to enter the giveaway, go to monicalouie.com slash giveaway. And I know I've 
just giving you a bunch of different URLs. So I'm going to have all of the links, all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at monicalouis.com slash 14. So if all else fails, go there. You'll find all the links that you need so that you can enter the giveaway, pre-order your copy of Superfans and submit your confirmation number so that you can get the pre-order bonus. All right. So thanks once again to Pat for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you so much for joining Pat and me today. If you have found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe. That will gain you a giveaway entry so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I am diving into how to craft a compelling ad. So as you know, I am a Facebook ads strategist and my team and I are in the ads manager every day testing what's working now with Facebook ads. So I'm going to share my knowledge with you next week on how to craft a high converting attention grabbing ad. We're going to dive into all of that next week. So thank you once again for joining me. Have a wonderful day and don't forget to enter the giveaway. I will be selecting a winner one month from the date of this episode comes out. So the winner you have, if you are listening to the podcast a little bit after the release date, then you still might have time to enter the giveaway. So go to monicalouie.com slash giveaway. You'll see if it's still live. So go ahead and enter the giveaway. One lucky winner will receive a Pat Flynn book bundle. All right. That's all from me today. And thank you once again for joining me. Have a wonderful day. Take care and bye for now.